Happy Sunday morning, everybody. I'm going to share this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast with everybody. So normally this is behind the paywall on the Patreon Canada Club, but I thought this was a really good episode. I also think I need to share a certain amount of free shows with the world to be eligible for all these award shows that are about to come up. Everybody, look, I know it's been a turbulent month. I had one of the greatest scoops in pinball history, and then I put my foot in my mouth, and I know it's been up and down, but I want to say, look, if you join the Canada Club, I'm really going to make sure that none of the dumb stuff happens, that the 5% of stupidity does not override the 95% of what I think is some of the greatest pinball content and commentary on what's going on in this hobby. So enjoy this free episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'll put a link where you can join the Canada Club if you want to join. And for those of you members, don't worry, I'm not going to start sharing every episode. It's just the end of the month and I wanted to share something with everyone to listen to. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Canada's Pinball Podcast, the world's number one pinball podcaster that is clearly a work in progress. Happy Saturday morning, everybody. Thank you for all of your contributions and your support. It's the end of the month. We're obviously going to lose more subscribers when the bill arrives. And also, I've learned a real lesson. You know, if you act stupid, Canada, you're going to lose some support. So we're really going to work to make sure none of that happens again. And we just get back to enjoying pinball and enjoying talking about what's happening in this hobby. So here's the thing, right? I'm looking at this James Bond launch and I'm just still so perplexed. Like if the Ellie's are going on the line now in December, and it is only like October 1st today. What is happening? What is happening with this game? I have a theory about it. I want to talk about two topics on this podcast. I want to talk about my theory on James Bond and why all of this is happening the way it's happening. I also want to talk about Spooky Pinball Ultraman and what the reality is for that game. Okay, we're going to just have two topics. Nothing else matters on this episode. So let's talk about James Bond. Here's my theory from like a bird's eye view. Here's what I think happened. I think Venom was done. I think Venom was pretty much done because remember, they were going to get Venom out in April of 2022. And if they were aiming for that date, they weren't going to stop like research and development on it. I think when they paused Venom, it was pretty much done and Stern had to get the backlog orders made. Now, here's what I think happened. I think Venom was supposed to be at Comic-Con this year. Remember when Stern went there with Ozzy and Todd McFarlane, right? Isn't Todd McFarlane like one of the creators of Venom or did he create Venom? Why would they have Ozzy there who has an association with Venom? Why would they have Todd McFarlane there who has an association with Venom and then not bring Venom? I think Venom was supposed to come out then. I think that they weren't caught up on their backlog. I think parts are delayed, and so they couldn't bring Venom to that show. And then if you think about it, what was next? It was always going to be Venom, then James Bond. So then I think Stern looked at their release schedule and said, hey, we are contractually obligated by the Eon license holder of James Bond. That's the name of the company to get these James Bond machines revealed this year because it is the 60th anniversary of James Bond. And so I think they were contractually obligated to release these games. 
Isn't this feeling a lot like Batman 66, where they showed the game, it wasn't nearly complete, it wasn't ready for consumers, but they had to get Batman out to hit the 50th anniversary of Batman. Now, my theory is this. I think the same thing is happening with James Bond. I don't think this game is ready to be streamed. I don't think Stern wants you to see this game streamed right now. Remember, this is the second most expensive machine Stern Pinball has ever sold next to Batman SLE, next to Beatles Diamond, right? This game is $13,000. You add tax, it's $14,000. You add shipping, it's $14,500. And so Stern Pinball does not want the thousand people who are now in on a James Bond LE to see a $14,500 machine be incomplete seem unsatisfying but now it's getting really strange because the whole thing is i'm starting to see it i'm starting to see some people have some like second thoughts on whether or not they should have jumped into this game i have another theory about james bond i think james bond is going to go the same way as stranger things i think this game on year one is possibly not going to be where it needs to be to be considered great from a code standpoint if you remember the work lonnie did on stranger things When Stranger Things came out, it was very underwhelming. LEs sat for like $9,000, new in box, all year round. Like they just sat there. And it's because the code wasn't that far along. And people are now starting to see the James Bond code a little bit, right, with this over-the-shoulder footage. And people are starting to notice something very similar to Stranger Things. Lonnie is moving over some of the code framework from Stranger Things to James Bond. I mean, like some of the animations or how the scoring looks, like some of this stuff on the screen means he might be possibly building James Bond on top of the Stranger Things framework. So who knows, right? I mean, we're all still speculating about what this game is gonna be at launch, but I really think Stern is trying to buy themselves some time to get the code further along. But here's the part, and I mean this, and I always have felt this way. Here's the part that still disappoints me. Why are we handing them money now before the game is ready to be shown. I don't understand. Like, even if they showed pictures of it, even if they wheeled out some prototypes to be part of these James Bond celebrations, why did the order banks open up? And here's the scary part. The order banks opened up, and guess what everybody did? They bought it without even seeing enough to know if the game's going to be good or not. And this is the whole thing with, like, pinball marketing in general, is sometimes I feel like companies need to do a better job at marketing, but where Stern pinball is right now and the amount of demand and people fighting for these machines it's like they don't even have to do anything they don't even have to show you a working game they don't have to show you the code is good and even if stuff you see is underwhelming there's still predominantly there's more than like 95 percent of people will still stay in on their le order but i'm starting to hear from some people over in europe and other places that it's getting softer like you can go buy an le right now in europe and you're not going to have a problem getting one the only problem is you need like 17 or $18,000 if you want one. I think that's just the state of pinball. And so I think that's what's happening with James Bond. And for those of us who have been following Stern Pinball over the last like few years, this is like atypical for them. Usually when the game is revealed, the pros are on the line and then we get the LEs right away. Between reveal and two months, we usually get every single LE is built, right? In that two month window. Now we've had a reveal and we're not even gonna start building the LEs until two months from now. 
This is going to be interesting because then when does the next game come out, right? When does Venom come out? When does Jack Danger's game come out? When does Tron Vault Edition come out, people? I still think Tron Vault is coming. Like, you can either trust Kaneda and be patient, or you can go spend a lot on an old one right now. But a very atypical launch, a very sloppy launch, and I said it in my Facebook post. I really do mean this. People, marketing isn't just about creating sales. Marketing's not just about creating demand. Part of what I think the Stern Marketing Division should be doing is showing more respect to some of these properties. Let me give you an example of something I would have done if Canada was working with the Stern Marketing Team. And by the way, no one's getting fired if I say fire your marketing team, but I do think the Stern marketing team isn't really doing much and they're not thinking creatively and it's kind of sad right so pinball expo is coming up in a few weeks in October right that is in Stern's backyard their new game is James Bond here's what Canada would do if Canada was working over at Stern Pinball. And I will give them this idea for free. It's not even that hard to come up with creative ideas that would be awesome when you have a game like James Bond. Here's what I would do if I was Stern. I would have a special event at Pinball Expo. You're in this nice hotel. I would have a poker tournament, a la James Bond, a la Casino Royale. I would have a poker tournament in which you need to wear a tuxedo to enter the tournament. You have a buy-in for that poker tournament. All the money people use to buy in should go to charity. You could donate it to the Flipping the Script charity that's going on with Loser Kid Pinball Podcast and TPN. You could donate that money to Project Pinball. But imagine that. You have a black tie poker party held by Stern Pinball to celebrate the launch of James Bond. And here's where it gets awesome. I would make, just for that charity event, I would make a one-of-one special version of George Gomez's game. You can make it a one-of-one Goldfinger, a one-of-one with Russia with Love. You know, out of those like seven movies, you could pick one and make a one-of-one cabinet and you could make that the grand prize of the poker tournament. Think about how much fun that would be. Think about how that would bring the community together in an amazing way. Think about how that would be much more fun to watch than a typical pinball tournament. And just think about how great that would be because it wouldn't make sense to have a poker tournament for Deadpool or Jurassic Park. And that's my point with marketing is when you're a company like Stern, sure, you don't have to do this stuff. But they should be doing this stuff because I'll tell you why. Because it's raining money over at Stern. They have so much money. And let me ask you a question. What does Stern do to give back to the community? Do they create events for you? I'm telling you right now, the only thing they give back, and Sharp, who's in charge of their marketing, everything they do is always about tournaments and tournament players and the Stern army. They don't do anything for collectors. Does Stern ever host a gala and invite all of you collectors who have been spending, and I mean this, six figures on their games? They do absolutely nothing. Do they do anything special at Expo, at TPF, anywhere? They really don't. And I mean this, like, yeah, they set up shop and Marco sets up their booth, but all they ever want to do is take your money. Remember when Stern had their birthday party? It was their birthday party and they charged us to get in and they charged us for drinks. So my point is, Stern, you are now so much more successful than you've ever been. You are now charging so much more for every single game than you've ever charged. You're making more money than you've ever made before. And I just think you can start to engage the community more. Do stuff for the collectors more. Do stuff for your fans more. It's just not there. And I know you don't have to do it, but you should do it. 
You know, I want to talk about something someone said, and I think this is a good thing. I want to tell you something that makes me happy. I'm seeing other pinball podcasters out there. They're starting to dip their toe into Patreon, and I think that's a good thing. I think everybody out there who works really hard on making content should have a way in which people can financially and monetarily support them because people like giving support and they want to support it. And I am so thankful for every single person who supports Canada's Pinball Podcast. I really mean it. This means so much to me. And for people who say Canada's only in it for the money, I've heard this before. Canada's only in it for the money. Okay, where was I in it for the money when I did free shows, 600 free shows over a five-year period of time? Was I in it for the money then? No, I worked really hard and I gave more than almost anybody and I created, I think, the most amount of pinball podcasts in the history of pinball podcasting for free. So look, now that we're doing it this way, I just think it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for me because I get something for all of the hard work and all the years and all the research I do every week. It's a win for you because you feel good because you're supporting the content that you're absorbing. Nobody feels like they're ripped off, right? For the amount of money you spend every month, do you feel ripped off? No. I'm happy to see other content creators dip their toe in. And look, it's a slow process. When I first turned on Patreon, I probably got like 20, 30 subscribers. The thing is, like back then, nothing was behind the paywall. So I think what's going to be interesting is everyone who does this, they will learn like their own different marketing strategy. And what do you want to give people for signing up? You know, some people want to give merchandise. Some people might give like access to a Discord channel. Some people might give like episodes a little bit early. Everyone can do it their own way, but this is good. And this always should have been celebrated. The thing that I never understood is that when we talk down against this behavior, we talk down against setting up a monetary way to show support. We never should do that. We should all support each other in creating a win-win situation. And I want to talk about a line I saw on Pinside. Someone said, I feel really icky about taking money for something that's a hobby I love. And I want to just respond to that one line. Feeling icky about taking money for a hobby you love. You know who doesn't feel icky about taking money? Stern Pinball. Jersey Jack Pinball, CGC, these companies are taking so much money from us. You have to make $30,000 before taxes now to buy a single pinball machine. They don't feel icky. They're not giving us the best possible price. Pinball machines never go on sale from distributors, so they don't feel icky. Why should you feel icky about getting a small compensation for all the hard work you do? And I mean this, every single pinball content creator out there, I'm talking to each and every one of you right now, you know how many hours you put into your shows. You know it. And I tell you this, every listener of this show, every single person, they're making less than minimum wage if you added up the amount of hours it takes to create all of that content. And so I do implore everybody out there to show support to all of the shows that you listen to, if you can, right? I mean, if you can. All right, so let's go on to Spooky Pinball. So here's the other thing I want to talk about. So Spooky Pinball... Ultraman. Now, when Charlie Emery said they were going to make 500 Ultramans, a little birdie told me that he doubled that number, that initially Ultraman was supposed to be 250 they were going to make. Now, it's obvious what's happening right now. There is not even close to 500 people who want an Ultraman pinball machine. And it's a little bit complex when you ask, why is this game's value just tanking? And the reason why I mean it's tanking is this. Let me tell you how much an Ultraman with a butter cabinet would cost. It is over 10 
$1,000. I am Ultraman number 500. I ordered it with Butter Cabinet. I think the collector's edition game was a little bit like 92, 9300. Add another thousand for Butter Cabinet. Add tax to that. So you would be looking at, let's just say like in general, you would be looking at ballpark $10,500 for an Ultraman with a butter cabinet. Okay, so just keep that number in mind, 10.5. Guess how much an Ultraman, new in box, not even opened, with a butter cabinet is listed for sale and has no offers right now? $6,000. So let's do the math on this. If you bought it new, you spent 10.5, now you can get it for six grand. That means no matter how you wanna skin it, numbers don't lie, you just lost $4,500 in value on your 10.5 purchase. There is nobody in pinball that wants to experience that. And here's where it gets even worse. Imagine if you opened up your Ultraman and you don't have a butter cabinet, what's that even worth now, right? Let's just say hypothetically, an open butter cabinet machine is worth 5,500. You just lost five grand. That's almost the price of an entire pinball machine on one single spooky machine. 500 Ultraman owners right now have all lost at least three to four to five thousand dollars 500 of them now i don't think they're all sold i think distributors are calling around trying to like sell some of these and look i think everybody loses with this game now you probably lost money if you didn't take delivery you lost your deposit spooky pinball put the money in the bank but they lost all of their goodwill this machine shows one thing and this is something that i think everyone has learned and i mean this when i say this and i'm going to break it down in a way i've never heard anyone say this before on a show it's a real simple question what is Ultraman worth? And I'm gonna say this right now. To the majority of people in the pinball world, it's not worth anything. It doesn't matter. And here's why. Because a bad game or a game that people don't like or perceive to be bad, a bad game has absolutely positively almost no value to the majority of collectors. They wouldn't buy it for five grand. They wouldn't buy it for four grand. They might buy it for three grand, but you know what I mean? You don't even want it. Like, why would you want a game where the theme doesn't speak to you, where the game doesn't shoot great, and where the overall consensus on it is it's not even in the top 100? Say what you will. The top 100 on pin side, we could argue about the top 20 games, but the bottom line is this. There's a reason why Ultraman and Toy Story are both not even in the top 100 pinball machines of all time. It's not a conspiracy. We're not out to take these games down. It's just the way it is. And in today's market, at these prices, if you make a game that can't even break into the top like 100, that game should never ever have been made and it is an embarrassment i do believe this it is an embarrassment because here's why it's really embarrassing if you can't make it a 2022 game to be in the top 100 you know why because you've had those top 100 games to study to look at why they're great and this is why pinball always is weird to me because is, is anyone making a game today can go buy those games everybody loves they could study the code study the lights study the art study the gameplay study the geometry there's no excuse to bring out a game in 2022 that shoots like crap. There's no excuse to bring out a game in 2022 that doesn't have good flow. There's no excuse to bring out a game in 2022 that's barren with no toys, no mechs, you know, no software that's deep, that has replay value. There's just no excuse anymore, people. So this is the thing. Ultraman is going to go down, I think, as the greatest single year loss in the history of pinball. There hasn't been another one. 
WWE LE didn't lose this much value. I have never seen a game lose this much value. And for those of you who own it and like it, I'm glad. I'm happy you were to see through all the insults and enjoy the machine, but there's just something about this game that's just not clicking with people. I also think it's a learning lesson for Chuck. Like if this is your tiny little niche theme that you liked, you should have only made 250. And here's why he should have only made 250. Because if there was only 250, that would have stabilized the price a little bit. You can't make the same number of Ultramans as James Bond's 60th edition machines. Like, I don't even think there's 250 people that want Ultraman in America. I really don't. You know, there's not 250 Joe Abadis out there. Like, most of us did not grow up watching Ultraman, thinking about Ultraman, and most of us sure as heck haven't been thinking about Ultraman as grown adults. And that's the thing with a lot of these, like, quirky themes is, like, you gotta be careful if you get it wrong you're not going to find buyers and this machine i think just got it all wrong and here's what pains me is that spooky's got my two thousand dollars it was on me don't get me wrong it was on me but man they really need to hit the next game out of the park because this game just didn't click and i'm just going to say this i know halloween is holding value more but everybody knows it's the dirty little thing nobody wants to say halloween shoots just as bad as ultraman i mean it's the same game people it shoots just as bad as ultraman so it's not just just a theme as to why Ultraman is tanking. And I'm also hearing from people, a lot of distributors are holding on to Halloweens, trying to find people to buy them. So these games are not sold out by any means. Everybody, happy Saturday. I'm going to quickly edit this, get this up, but I'm going to keep making great content for each and every one of you. I know we've lost some subscribers. We'll get them back. If you love Canada's Pinball Podcast, you really can't go anywhere else and get this kind of direct right into your living room, right into your ears, right into your car stereo you can't get another show that's just gonna start getting into it in 30 seconds i'm not gonna talk about my life later Cause I know what it is.